This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by PayPal. These days, choices are everywhere. Like, for instance, the milk in your coffee. Would you like it from a cow? A nut? A tree? Everyone wants options. And now your customers have a new option in the way they pay. With PayPal in person. Just generate your unique QR code in the PayPal app for them to scan. And start accepting PayPal in person today. Learn more at paypal.com slash US slash get QR code. Hello and welcome to episode 181 of the Washed Up Emo podcast. I am Tom Mullen from washedupemo.com. Today, we welcome the band Azure Ray. I was talking to Chris Caraba from Dashboard Professional a few months back, and I asked him, we've got to have some more episodes without dudes. And I said, who from the back of the day have I not thought about or talked about? And he emailed right back and said, you got to have on the Saddle Creek Records greats Azure Ray. And I said, what a great idea. So Chris connected us, and even better, Maria Taylor and Arinda Fink from the band have a 20th anniversary release of their self-titled debut album coming out in January. And even they're working on new music. And if you're unfamiliar with Azure, they first came into my view when they were part of the Saddle Creek scene back in the early 2000s, and I love their contributions back then and continue to. So dive into their catalog if you haven't. Scour the internet to find their collaborations with Connor Oberst and Michael Stipe. A truly unique band and sound. Learn more about everything at flowermoonrecords.com. This podcast is not just about getting a ton of people listening to a popular band, but a document of the sound and time period we all lived in, and hopefully getting some stories that we can pass down to the next generation after us. I am truly so happy for you to hear this unique story from Azure and Maria and Arinda on this podcast. This is episode 181 of the Washed Up Emo podcast with Maria Taylor and Arinda Fink from Azure. So glad you guys came on. Um, I'd love to find out. You know, I think for people that maybe don't know much about the band, um, how you guys um, met up and started to play music together and what sort of clicked between you. Well, we went to a fine arts high school together. This is Maria talking right now. Um, And Arenda was a theater major and I was a ballet major. And one day there's this common area at our school and I walked past her and she was playing a guitar, strumming some chords. And I walked past and then I just kind of stopped and turned around and I said, do you want to be in a band? And she said, sure. I was a ballet major, but um, my father's a musician and music has always been my, my main passion. And so we didn't, we weren't even really friends. We hardly knew each other. And from that moment on, we just started writing songs. Like before I could even play guitar, Arinda knew three chords. And that was when we were 15. Yeah, and I, I wasn't a music major. I was a theater major, hence the only knowing th- three chords that I could barely play. But um, 
we we, then we got together. So when she said, do you want to start a band? I said, sure. She invited me over to her parents' house. They were uh, away for the weekend and we broke into their liquor cabinet and drank some of their vodka and like replaced it with water and wrote our first couple of songs. And then, yeah, and then we tortured everyone in Birmingham, Alabama for the next uh, solid year playing them for everybody. So we love to harmonize. Yeah, we, we got together and just started harmonizing. We did love the Indigo Girls, but I feel like it wasn't even our taste in music that brought us together and we didn't even really have a sound. It was just like we just had this connection that, I mean, don't you think so? I mean, we just loved spending time and, and we just like made music and it just kind of was what what it it was its own thing you're you're right because I I think the only reason like we like the indigo girls is I can't remember when exactly it happened but like someone gave me an indigo girls songbook and so it was an easy way to learn to play rudimentary chords and you know and and then there was that harmony element to it that we appreciated but yeah we didn't really have a unique we we weren't in a a scene we didn't like feel like we were part of any kind of scene No, God, no. I mean, I I think the Indigo Girls are cool as shit. But, you know, we that was back when everyone was getting into the Seattle scene. And I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, we weren't we were not cool. I came from a small town. I was uh, would commute to the fine arts high school. Um, So and then my mom would listen to old country, which at the time I was really rebellious against. So I was kind of it was kind of forced on me. So it was like deeply ingrained in my subconscious mind. But I didn't really like it. But I what I liked was I mean, so the only other exposure I had was was radio music, really. And I liked U2 and REM that were really kind of taking off at the time, which, you know, I think they they had some definite real pop sensibilities that kind of sunk in somewhere. But yeah, pretty scattered for me. And then what about like starting to get deeper? Like, did you realize there was the left of the dial and there was these college radio stations or there was these other labels? Like when did that, when did that start to come about? And were you sharing with each other things that you were finding or was it just all Indigo Girls all the time? Because I understand. We found it like accidentally, like we just moved to Athens, Georgia, we had no idea that there was a music scene there. Like we just, Arinda's boyfriend at the time went to college there, right? Did he go to college there? And that's why he moved there? Or no, he, he, he went there for music too. Okay. Or he went there for but music. I, we went there to follow him, <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah. And, and the music scene in Athens, I think is what really, we were like, wow, there's so much amazing stuff hap- happening. And so we, 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 it's weird. It's like what you're asking, like what, how, when we found it, we found it with our peers. We actually didn't really even know that existed till they, they were our actual friends, you know, like the Elephant Six Collective and, um, in Athens, there was like the Glands and, you know, some of the older bands like Pylon and I mean, even the B-52s in their own way, like some of those older records were really obscure at that time. Uh, who else, Maria? I mean, Athens just had Vic Chestnut. Um. And even when we like got into the Saddle Creek scene, like we met one of our best friends in Athens was a longtime um, collaborator with Connor. And so when we met Connor and met, you know, learned about Bright Eyes, we didn't even know that was a scene or there was anything there until he asked us to be in his band and had Azure open up. We still had never seen him play. And it literally wasn't until 
the first show where we were like, holy shit, like, this is intense. And, you know, he had such a crazy following even then. And the energy and during the show was like, so I feel like we sort of just kept finding ourselves like in the middle of all of these amazing scenes and amazing musicians that inspired us so much and shaped us. But we didn't really know about it. It just kind of we blindly fell into. It, it might have been our obliviousness that was somehow attractive to people. <laughs> They're like, wow, who are these girls? And then we, you know, immediately made friends with Michael Stipe because one of our, Arinda started working and then we both started working at a restaurant. The owner was Michael Stipe's best friend. And so, I mean, we really were just kind of thrown in to this scene and it was just really great because that's not, we just left to get away from Birmingham and to try something new and you know, I feel like at the time, Birmingham had this sort of small town mentality where people didn't want to work together. They actually were, you know, threatened by other people's success. And it just didn't feel um, creative and it didn't feel. Yeah, it's really competitive. So, yeah, it was. I think it's better now. But so we left and just, yeah, we were like, wow, so many incredibly talented people who are all like working together and creating a scene and. And it's in such a small town, too, which which is why I think it was easy, in a sense, to to really, you know, become friends with everyone really quickly. I mean, there was, there was just a couple restaurants that everyone ate at, and there were two bars that everyone ate at, or, or that drank at. Yeah, that was it at that time. And so, you know, if you were doing anything of note... Everyone was kind of really appreciative of, appreciative of it and wanted to, you know, either collaborate or learn more about you. And it was this kind of like, I think Patton Oswalt did a sketch on it a long time ago that was so funny talking about Athens in those days, how it was this like magical fairyland where or, at, there was no reality there. And like, <laughs> it's like, it really did feel like that at the time. I know. We were just telling stories to a friend the other day about how like our very first license well we thought it was going to one of our songs was going to be in Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Michael Stipe brought over a cake and he came in and we were um you know we had like 15 people there we ordered pizza and we sat around and then I guess it got cut and it never even aired it wasn't even in the episode but but that just tells you like how awesome everyone was and supportive you know we had a party to listen to our song in Buffy the Vampire Slayer yeah, we, we had no money at all, and we thought we were going to make $1,000. So we were like, we're buying pizza for everybody. And um, <laughs> and then when it did, and then it didn't come on, and then, <laughs> and this one guy, like, offered to give us money when he left because it was so sad. And we're like, no, it's fine. <laughs> but it was that, that's always been the punchline of the story is that uh, we spent our last dime on the pizza and the song wasn't on there. Wow. I mean, that's totally true. Like if it doesn't air, like if like uh, if if uh, someone's on a, like a game show and the episode doesn't air, they actually don't even have to pay because of it. It's oh, crazy. Wow. Yeah. Um, and they well, and it's different now because they'll tell you in advance. But back then yeah. you had to watch the show right. to know, which is they so torturous. Yeah. It's cruel. But we learned that. So we never had a party until after. You know, we learned <laughs> not to get exci- that excited before we watched it. We've learned lots of valuable lessons. Mm-hmm. We really have. We got, you know, we got signed to a major label and we learned about um, what we didn't like about that situation and major labels. And we've really learned, we've learned a lot of lessons 
the hard way. What started Azure was my boyfriend at the time, we were in a band, Arenda and I, called Little Red Rocket. And it was kind of more like punk pop, um, fun, having fun, just like, you know, fun songs. And we played a show in Atlanta and my boyfriend was with us and he overdosed and he died in the van with us on the way back home from a show back to Athens. And so that, um, that's how Azure began. So our memories, you know, it was magical and, and amazing, but also we went through probably some of the toughest days that we will ever go through in our lives while we were there. So, um, yeah, we, we really experienced a lot during our time. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, it, it's like what we went through, we were way too young, you know, to have gone through that. And anyone that does go through it, you know, at that age, it, it's just too young and it does change you <clears throat> in a lot of ways. But I will say, and I know Maria agrees that like the Athens, the Athens community could not have been better. I mean, we were so supported, su- supported during that time that, you know, it still kind of brings tears to our eyes to think about that aspect of it to you. But yeah, there's mixed feelings definitely just about that time in general, simply because, you know, it was such a, you know, tragic time. Wow. Yeah. Rainbows and dark clouds. Right. Mm-hmm. Writing these songs, it was our therapy. It was, um, yeah, it was us just getting through the situation and our mourning and, we never intended on doing anything with these songs. You know, this was just our first time to write in this way. Like, we only wrote fun pop songs. What would become the first Azure record? Yeah. And we had played these songs at a memorial for Peter. And that's when our friend Brian Causey, who um, he's in the band Manor Aster Man, and he started a label in Athens. And he came up to us and just said, you know, if you ever want to release these songs, I'd love to put them out on my label. And my friend Eric Bachman from Archers of Loaf, um, I think he'd be a great match to be, you know, to produce these songs. And we thought about it and we were like, okay, let's let's try it out. And it was truly a match made in heaven, us with Eric Bachman. Um, He was just like our third member and he really brought so much to the songs and realized them. We also knew that we couldn't play Little Red Rocket anymore. And we didn't know what we were going to do exactly instead, but just, you know, the the kind of naivety and, and you know, youthful, um, you know, joy de vivre had kind of been removed. And so, like, we, we felt like we just really couldn't continue with that band anymore. So it, it kind of naturally dissolved as, as the Azure Project, um, you know, took its place. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, it does. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, it's like this has a different feel to it. And then these songs that you were making um, kind of birthed itself from that happening. But I love when you talked about Eric and what what about what about a producer like that or someone that's a third member? Um, What does it what does it bring to you? And 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 did it take long to have that trust level? Sometimes, you know, it's hard to think about things that you've never thought about before that were 20 years ago, but I don't even remember thinking about it, you know, like we, we really had no intentions with the song. So when, like Maria said, when Brian Causey was, we wrote them for Peter for his memorial and for us too the, as a catharsis. But uh, when Brian Causey suggested, we, had, we, you know, 
Eric is the, the, um, the front man of Archers of Loaf. We had never listened to Archers of Loaf. We had never heard of them. Um, and we weren't even sure, you know, once we did, we were like, not, not quite sure how that, that related to what we were doing, but we just, you know, we believed in the process. We were like, okay, let's, let's try it out. You know, so we were just very open to it. And I think we were extremely lucky. I mean, you know, the universe just put us in a beautiful place that, that the, where that art needed to be at that time, because what Eric, like who knew the archers of loaf guy would come and take this like delicate, ethereal grief laden music and write the soundtrack to it. And that's what he did. Like the whole year and a half after. Yeah. I was just personally kind of in a daze. Um, so yeah, I just remember like it just all happened. And yeah, I just remember the end result and just being like, holy shit. Like, this is the most meaningful piece of art we've ever made and being so proud of it. But yeah, the whole process, I just feel like there was a couple of years in my life where it was just all a daze. We were, we were just so young. People always said that Manor Astroman, when they toured, there were multiple Manor Astromans that were touring at the same time. Is that true? Huh. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so. I, I I believe that's true, but I don't know if I'm not supposed to say it. Yes. Uh, is it true? Keep drinking, guys. Keep drinking. <laughs> See, I don't even know. I don't even remember that. I mean, but I may have just heard the rumors as well and just right. like don't put them in my me memory as truth. But I we don't can know. find I... out for you. <laughs> I just think you guys are you guys falling into and again this is you guys are you know this is not just that just happenstance like you're in the scene you're involved um you're you're making music you're being creative and I think people notice that they people notice when okay they're here at the show or they're creating um and I think at that time period too, you had to be at the show, you had to be at the bar, you had to be at the restaurant to, to, you know, meet these people. This isn't you, uh, you and I talking on a message board. What about that? Do you like, and do you, or do you miss it? Or do you think like, I, you know, it's fine now. Um, what are your thoughts around that sort of just that you had to be in it? Get me started on this. And I'm going to sound like the oldest fogey of all time. And I'm sure anybody does that's in their 40s. But um, no, I, I, I just, I, I truly believe it was a better time for art. And I'm, again, like, it's like a very controversial statement. And one may be born out of the generation I was in. But I do think there's something really like visceral that translates to the art to be there in person, you know, to be experiencing this stuff. Yeah, instead of online and, you know, kind of piecing stuff together or piecing a scene together online or, uh, you know, I just think it's harder for for something to be born um, that way. Now, I'm not saying it can't happen, but um, it, it, I don't know. There's just some kind of inertia behind that and some kind of like cosmic. You just feel it. It's so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like in your chest, you know, when you go to these to this bar and you see your this band that you love and it's this intimate setting. I mean, you feel it in your chest. You get chills. Yeah, you're like drawn you don't get to that them. Watching a YouTube, it's just not the same. So like take that though and and like, you know, just multiply it exponentially into today's kind of society. And I think that is why we somehow are somewhat have a breakdown of 
you know, well, I think we all know what's going on now, but like, it's because there is, we're, we are so far removed from each other on a personal and human level. And so much interaction is done online, even with people in your neighborhood. And that's just, it's not good for art. It's not good for society. It's not good for culture. Um, doesn't mean good things can't come out of it, but I don't think it's positive necessarily. And back in the day, it was funny too, Arinda and I had only one cell phone because not many people even had cell phones. So we, we were always together. We toured all the time. We lived together. So we just had one cell phone for years between the two of us. <laughs> yeah, and it was just like, hi, funny. you've reached Maria and Arinda. <laughs> and like married couples don't even have the same cell phone. <laughs> How is that not a Netflix series already? Like the wrong boyfriend calls or the wrong girlfriend calls and then something goes awry. I mean, I think I'm already writing this. Like, this is great. (laughs) We used to have Isaac Brock call us from Modest Mouse. Like, he would call and it really, like, he didn't even care who he was talking. You know, he just knew it would be one of us and we would talk for hours and then pass the phone off. It was just, I mean, we were all Yeah, he he would want to talk. He'd want to talk for five or six hours in a chunk. And it was so always we would interesting. Just have to pass it <laughs> yeah, we would just pass off the phone. He wouldn't even know which one he was talking to because we sound similar. So it'd just be like, okay, here you go. <laughs> and like, just pick up where the conversation <laughs> left off. <laughs> it's like, my ear's getting hot from the phone. It's your turn. <laughs> Does he know that? Does, does... I haven't spoken no, with him in like 15 so. years. Probably not. Because <laughs> he's probably like, man, I thought I told Maria that wait a minute maybe I did like it's like driving him nuts he probably doesn't remember probably not probably doesn't even remember us (laughs) what about you mentioned earlier like the parallel of you know emo and punk and I think this the genre and the word is highly misunderstood and uh, uh, maligned over the many many years but this intersection and I talked about this with Connor a little bit with you know indie rock and also hardcore and punk it just kind of seemed to be in the ether when were you aware of it and did you see those sort of um genres crossing over I don't think I was ever aware of it yeah, I I know I mean I think you know so we've given you a little insight to how clueless blissfully, you guys are blissfully oh, unaware we are <laughs> but you know to us I feel like we, we probably you know danced with all of that in in some way or another through all the years of touring you know between Little Red Rocket and Azure and and solo stuff and and it, it, it's never like we're not big genre people so I feel like we kind of just make friends with it with lots of different people and you know just kind of see it as music. So there wasn't really a scene for Azure. Um, there was a scene for Little Red Rocket, which is a pop punk band, but there wasn't really a scene for Azure except for like, I mean, the only, I feel like the closest peer at the time was, was Cat Power, who was, you know, newly established right before us. And we loved her. We loved her. But outside of that, there wasn't a lot. that came after us. Oh, yeah. That came after us. So so we almost had to be placed with people outside of our genre. And we almost always were. We were playing with heavy metal people. (laughs) We were playing, yeah, with (laughs) screamo. We also would take anything we could get. Like anyone that would ask us to go on tour, you know, we were like, hell yeah. (laughs) 
So, I mean, we I played with rap. We played with hip hop. We played with like you know TV on the radio. We played. It just there. We played with every single genre because because there wasn't really a, our genre at the time. The one thing that I, I thought was, it was always great because we would play with all these other type bands, but somehow you know we would play almost we would sing with a whisper. There was probably more silence in our set than actual notes. And the crowds were always dead silent. It was pretty awesome to like, I don't know, to see people appreciate what we were doing even though it was outside of the genre that they were going to hear. We really didn't have to worry because our fans have always done the dirty work for us. You know, because we That's always what have I was going to say. I was going to say yeah. the same thing. <laughs> yeah, we have people in the crowd just telling people to shut the fuck up. So even if we were opening up for someone and many people didn't know who, who we were, we still had a few people who were there to see us, and they would shut everyone up. Yeah, sometimes it would be quite the scene. <laughs> like the, the, the <laughs> People screaming. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, be quiet, you know, or like, you know, if, they, if the club knew who we were, especially, they might even, like, come up to someone and escort them away. Like, I mean, we really did have this very dedicated uh, fan base at that point that that were protect, but you know before we were selling out, out our own shows you know but they were they were very protective of us and they um they policed the crowd it was wild <laughs> it's true i love that i have a, sm- a big smile on my face i can just see like the one you know guy or girl just being like you know just like the very like New York thing, like don't hold back, tell them to shut up. Like, <laughs> this is like yeah, this is it. and we were so thankful because it's hard to be up there singing yeah. super soft, sad, you know, emotional songs to when, when there's drunk people just chatting with their. Uh, except remember that one time Arinda in Italy where the crowd <laughs> yes. there was a. Um, there was a movie projector there was a movie playing behind us so some people were watching over our heads and then the other people had their backs to us talking like they didn't even bother to face us they were sitting on the stage they were sitting on the stage with their backs to us talking to their friends (laughs) and we were just like i think we did also didn't get paid that night so that was one of those kind of those kind of uh tour stories where they're like well yeah, we didn't have a guarantee, and it's like, well, then why did you let us play here? Like, I don't and know. We it was, drove it was some sh- up, shady like, shit. The steepest mountain with no rail. I just remember the van, and it was snowing. We could have, we risked our lives to get to that show, and they <laughs> could give not one shit about us, and showed us no respect. But they did give us a nice pasta dinner. How did you guys um, like it when you got to Omaha? Um, started to work with, you know, Bright Eyes and the other bands and that scene. What were the differences with Athens? What did you feel? And then did you, t- could you tell what was kind of happening? Did you feel like, oh man, a lot of these things are clicking? I think, well, it was similar in just the way that the scene was just all about friend friendships and people working with each other. And um, so, I mean, that felt similar and... I think right when we moved there, we kind of started to feel like, you know, I think the whole scene was getting a lot of press and all of the bands, we were all touring together and it just started to feel like a big family. Not being really similar to Athens, but um, colder, a lot of snow. (laughs) Um, 
But at that time, Arinda started dating um, Todd, who is now her husband, and he's the singer for The Faint. And I was dating Connor. Um, so it was pretty much like, you know, we were also in these new relationships and... Um, I don't know, that was also like a part of why we were there and what we were feeling and dealing with. Yeah, it was it was almost like yeah, yeah, it was almost like more weirdly more personal because of the the love relationships than than business. You know, like we, we did sign to do one EP with Saddle Creek. Um and that was that was kind of based off of uh, us doing the touring with Connor, who we met while we were in Athens. And then, and then, yeah, Maria met Connor, you know, they started dating. I started dating Todd. And so we didn't move to Omaha for Saddle Creek Records. We moved to Omaha because we were like, well, okay, this is crazy. We're both dating guys that live in Omaha and we're in a self-contained band. We, we can just move there, you know? And so we did. So, you know, kind of like most of our decisions, we didn't put a lot of thought in it. <laughs> we just did it. <laughs> Um, but it was, yeah, no, the, the Saddle Creek scene is, is a, is a, a, a real loving scene and all the bands there, you know, we're, we're great friends with, they're like our family and we kind of felt that way immediately, but, but the weather just is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're Southern girls, you know, it's hard to mm-hmm. have five months out of the year, like brutally cold. I think that's kind of why I moved to the desert. I'm just like, I spent 15 years there and I'm like, my body cannot handle another cold winter. It needs to fry for now 15 years. <laughs> Can you talk about the music scene and getting to Omaha and, you know, starting to see some of the bands and did it feel again, like, wow, this is like all like, I mean, so many of those bands, you know, um, became, you know, iconic or had a giant, you know, career or extended to other possibilities. Like how, how, what did that, did you sense that? Or was there, was it a different experience being involved in it? I feel like it was kind of like everything else in our life. Like we just kind of landed in the middle of it. So we didn't feel it as much. I mean, you could feel it, but I don't know. What do you think, Rinda? I just felt like we, we were just in the middle. So it was hard to really get a perspective you know, what was really going or how every, how we were perceived outside of the scene. Yeah. It's weird. Like it it truly just didn't feel like that to us, you know, I think because one, we were already really spoiled from coming from the Athens scene, you know? So it was kind of like a lateral move. (laughs) Oh yeah. Were you guys snobby Um, about it? That would have been amazing. No, I'm, Snobby? No I I was, to be honest. I was like, this you ain't no Athens. I mean, I'm just saying I loved Athens so much. Like, I mean, there yeah, was like multiple fights. At first. <laughs> yeah, Todd, you know, because to- right? I mean, Todd and I have been married for like 17 years, so we can joke about it now. But, um, <clears throat> you know, when I first got to Omaha, I mean, like, I cried every night and I was just like, wanted to go back to Athens so bad. And, but, but I, I truly loved him and I, and I knew that the relationship could work. Um, I just like, it was almost like, well, well, like, you know, a couple years in, uh, I saw the movie about Schmidt that Alexander Payne had made. And, and like my reaction was just to walk out of the theater sobbing for like five hours. I was with you. (laughs) 
I'm friends with Alexander Payne now and I told him that story and he was like that's supposed to be an uplifting movie <laughs> I was like well it wasn't at the time for me but um I don't know you know it's just very I, I can't different explain the it. Midwest and the South I mean they're so different yeah I'm, I'm just, just I'm a southern know. girl yeah so long you know that said like and, and, and Maria had her own stuff. Like, we were going through a lot of personal t- turmoil with the move, you know? Um, and it wasn't, honestly, we didn't really care. I and mean, we were insanely busy. We were touring a lot. Um, I mean, we had a lot of stress on us. And so we didn't, it, it, it never felt real to us, I feel like, to me, and, until we were in Europe. And when we were in Europe, um, the interviews were like rabid interviews where, where it almost seemed like, uh, not that we were celebrities necessarily, but that like Connor was a celebrity, you know, and that the Saddle Creek story was a celebrity. Uh, and, and that's when I kind of felt like, oh, well, this is really weird, um, I mean, but that's it, you know, it's, everything's a flash in a pan. So eventually it kind of like, uh die down but I yeah I guess I don't know we we were just in it we didn't really it's hard to know what to say about it well I just need to follow you guys around wherever you live and then I'll just know <laughs> where the next hot thing is that's the that's the issue <laughs> I do think that Arinda and I are incredibly lucky when we're together I think that um we're yeah we have some luck that follows us when we're together well it must be and, it must be California when we because drink- m- this one wine. Yeah, well, and I'm drinking it right now. It's our special wine. Um, <laughs> but I have to be drinking but, it with no, you. Okay. So, yeah, so, so but yeah, Maria moved to California, and I followed her here. So I think it's got to be California right now. Uh, what I, that actually brings out to the next question that I thought was really interesting is both of you having solo careers, both of you, you know, keeping up with the band. What's been the secret? What's been the... Um, the way that you guys have stayed together and been able to sort of be creative for this long, because as you said, things are flash in the pan sometimes. We were just talking about this earlier and I think lots of it has to do with, um, you know, for a while there, I was living in Alabama and Arinda was actually back in Athens, Georgia. And then there was a while where, um, and that's when we made our record that we put out eight years ago. Cause we were like close, like sort of close to each other. But before that, I was in L.A. and she was in Omaha. And then recently, she's been in Omaha and I was in L.A. again. So I feel like naturally, whenever we're in near each other, like vicinity-wise, and we see each other, that's when we just start to make music together again. And so sometimes it's, there's eight years in between where we don't live in the same state and we don't really see each other that much. I mean, we always talk all the time, but um, I think it's just... It's just a natural thing that that's one of the ways that we connect with each other. So when we're together in person, uh, we're going to put out a record. That's <laughs> what we do. Yeah, but but I'll go a step further and go like in, into the cosmic realm here, which is that like uh, I've been doing a lot of reading about what happens when you die. And some of that is a lot of it. It's about like reincarnation or... Um, yeah, yeah, I guess basically like this part is like kind of a reincarnation part and like figuring out what you're going to do in your next life. And basically, I don't know, it's resonating with me that like you do have relationships in your life where you're like, what is it about this relationship? 
you, and it's, and I, and it's like always been that way. And especially, I think we can all relate to that. So if it is, does have something to do with reincarnation, like I feel like Marie and I have, we, we have a cosmic connection and like, we couldn't, we will follow each other. It, you know, we'll, we will catch up with each other no matter what, because I think we have some kind of reincarnated, uh, relationship with each other as souls. That's what I think. It's like, you know, at some point I'm just like, there's, we're going to be friends till we die. And, and sometimes we I don't really may not remember my life before you. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, it's, it's a deep, deep relationship, you know, that, that's not without its challenges, but it's one that I think will be with us forever. I mean, for beyond death. So that's what I'm getting to. <laughs> like, I think it's on a cosmic level. I, it's crazy to say it, um, but I truly do. I just think there's like a couple of rare um, relationships that you have in your life that are like that. And it's uh, it's interesting if you see it in that perspective, but I think it might might be correct. It's funny. I mean, I have now two children and we're both married and, you know, we're both busy doing a lot of things and we still... I would say we average talking five times a day and texting about every 25 minutes. <laughs> like, and I'm not exaggerating. I mean, we're just, yeah, we're so connected. And I literally can't do anything without wanting to tell her about it. What do you, what do you like about, you know, a lot of the collaborations that you guys have done or guesting or being able to, it's, you know, that, that takes a certain nuance the same way that it's, it's, it's hard to keep a relationship. You know, you need to keep working at it. How does though how did that, did you feel the same, um, sense of work around those? And, and what do you like about collaborating with other people? I think every time I collaborate with anyone, I just become a better artist Um, so I love doing it and I want to do it as much as possible and you know it'd be hard for us to both work together with every person that we collaborate with you know logistically it would just get hard and it's cool for us to go off on our own and explore other avenues and have other musical relationships with other people and then bring back everything we've learned to each other so that you know what we make together can be something new each time yeah, I, I feel the same way. You know, it, it's just, um, it's almost like, and I I think Maria probably sees it this way too. And it's kind of seems like the theme of this uh, talk, which is that I see it as like friendships. So it's like Maria and I are like best friends, but then I've got so many other amazing friends that, that support me in different ways. And that's how I see those outside collaborations. And, and generally they are my friends also. So like, I mean, I don't think either one of us uh, really would work with someone we didn't like and want to be friends with. Um, and so it just kind of seems like an extension of, of, you know, a friendship. So you guys have a 20th anniversary of your first record. And when I was reading in the beautifully written, um, uh, bio about it. One thing really um, stuck out at me was um, the amount of photos and and sort of eph- eph- ephemera you had. Um, who who was the saver and who curated that? And um, or did you guys have fun going through that stuff? We had a lot of fun. We um, went. To, I went to the desert. My family and we stayed with Arinda and went through boxes. I brought my old stuff. She had her boxes, and we went through so many old photos and 
clippings and, um, you know, re just reminded each other of so many memories and tour stories that we included in this book. And, and then my husband, Ryan is, um, kind of acting as our manager and he's like kind of running the label, which I started a label flower moon records. He's, he's, he's crushing it. He's totally acting like a manager. (laughs) Yeah. And so, I mean, he's like, yeah, he's like making it all happen and laying it out. He's the one he's yeah. The man behind. So yeah. So yeah, all, all in-house basically we, we, we just did it. Um, the three of us and had a great time doing it. So, um, so did you realize that those boxes were important when you were putting things in there or it was just, Oh, here's some stuff from the tour. I'm going to put it in here. Or did you kind of realize like one day I might look in this? Well, I don't know about Maria, but like I, for some reason, Todd and I have moved literally six times in 11 years, which is insane when you think about it. Um, yeah, it's, it's like, it's like chasing down a dream, you know, like, and, and, and I, and I do feel like we found it, which is great. Um, but so I just kind of automatically had consolidated things to, you know, like we, Todd and I both, you know, like had like music paraphernalia or memorabilia, I should say, uh, in, in, in our own separate boxes from like all of these moves. And so when we had this idea to do the book, um, it was, it was, it was easy for me to locate that, but no, I didn't really know why I was saving it or didn't, you know, have any reason. It's just things had just ended up being thrown things in that category over, you know, 11 years were thrown into one big box. Yeah. I just had, I just had shit all over the house. I had to just gather it all together. I never thought that, I mean, I can't even, I just, it snuck up on me that 20 years had passed. I mean, it just blows my mind. But, you know, another, like, one of the main reasons why we wanted to do this is that people have been asking for 20 years if they can buy our first record on vinyl, and we never put it out on vinyl. So this is, like, really exciting for us to, uh, we remastered it, and it's going to come out on vinyl for the first time. So that's really cool. But, yeah, as far as going through all the old stuff, um, yeah, mine, mine was just, like, in every drawer, cabinet, it took me a while to try to even find everything. What was exciting about it? Was there something you did that that, that you forgot about that was a uh, you know that jogged a memory? Just seeing them really made us remember that like what was important to us all through all of the touring and everything we did was the friendships. I mean, all of our tour pictures. Like, I don't think we had a guitar in our hands. I mean, it was all just us no, yeah, with, all, with totally, friends, it's all parties and us having. <laughs> Yeah, just having the time of our lives. We were so free, and we were having so much fun, and, like, huge smiles in every picture, and um, just living it up. And But, you know, you know Maria, we also I'm, play I'm, music. It, I, I think that, like, when I think about it, and actually, I don't know, I didn't really think about this before, but, like, I think because Peter had died in that way, and, and that's what set off Azure, like, you know, there was something in us that changed. Like, we went through this very, um, like, we, we almost became polarized within ourselves where we were, like, we had experienced deep grief, so we had the capacity for that. And it almost, like, broadened our capacity to feel extreme joy at the same time and, like, and also, like, be appreciative of life and, and our our the fact that we're alive and our friends are alive and our family is alive. And so 
even though we were singing these like deeply sad songs, at, when the show was over, we wanted to party. Uh, we weren't, you know, and like <laughs> my husband fam- famously calls us celebrators. So we're not like partying to, you know, get fucked up or, or be mad or this, you know, we like to celebrate. So I think it was that I feel like that has something to do with it a little bit that, um, yeah, the, 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 the career was more about um, hu- human connection than anything else. I love that. If, if, I mean, you you were almost you were in the moment then, and there might have been a couple photos snapped, and there wasn't an Instagram story to watch. But then, twenty years later, you get to sort of feel that same way again. Yeah, yeah, and I do. I mean, again, like this is going back to the kind of like old person luddite way, but like it's okay. <laughs> there, there was something. You know, there's something I miss about living in the moment and not having, you know, a cell phone and a camera and and thinking like, you know, now it's like, if you're having a great time, you you need to document it. When we we did document things here and there with, you know, like a digital camera, I mean, a, a, you know, usually like a drugstore camera or something, but it wasn't like it was, it, it wasn't like everyone at the party had one in their hands, you know, and, and. And that there were, you know, multi- so it's like, it's almost like there was like one shot of the night that one person happened and to get. And, and, yeah. And, and I missed that. I do miss that. Um, or seeing those shots. Cause like, yeah, we had not gone through these pictures. It's interesting on a, in an artistic level too, like, well, maybe not even artistic, but like uh, thinking about like memory, like, and how your memory works and that since there weren't, you know, if, if you're like at a party with eight people and they all had their cell phones capturing, uh, you know, multiple stories, multiple photographs of the night, it's, it, it like, it, it really, um, I don't know, it does, it, but then also those things just kind of disappear. It's, it's a different memory experience than when you find one photograph from a crazy night you know, multiple years ago, and just that one photograph that happened to be snapped that wasn't curated, you know, wasn't reposed. Um, it just has this, like, that's where it has this artistic sensibility that I think doesn't really, and it wasn't meant to be artistic. Art out of life. Mm-hmm. It just, it, they seemed, I was like, we ultimately ended up, I guess here's where I'm arriving at. I'm on my third glass of wine. Um, is that we we're also putting digital photographs with us too, but we ultimately in in the book that we put together, we ended up using mostly uh, print photographs because they had a certain a certain aesthetic quality that the digital ones didn't have, and I think that was spontaneity. That's awesome. So, what do you guys want to do next? What do you guys What are you guys up to? What else is after this? Uh, is it continued to make music is there something that you've always wanted to do that you're diving into we have a new record that is written and we are in the process of working with a producer right now all like remotely you know from our individual homes but um we're really 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 excited like i think i might be more excited about this azure record well i don't want to say but (laughs) i haven't been this excited in a while and especially 2020 has been just, you know, really rough. And so this is like, I, for one, really needed something to be super excited about. And at first I thought it was, 
yeah, just going to be the 20th anniversary. But now I'm even just like more excited about this new record we have in the works. Yeah, I feel the same way. Like it's it's kind of that weird thing. And it almost relates to the photographs where when we, you know, Marie and I just kind of kind of just tossed around the idea. I think we should do another record. And, and it was right before the pandemic hit, I think. So we had we really started kind of doing the writing during that time. But, you know, we, everyone was losing their minds. And I I just feel like in a weird way, the writing ended up being more authentic because it's almost like the photo was like I was like is anyone even going to hear this you know like who knows, who knows what's going to happen yeah like and I I it was weird like when at some point we were like okay well what are we doing and 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 I think we were both like well we're not sure we have any songs you know and then we like put them all you know shared really shared them and listened to them and listened to them all together and we were like wait a second uh we got a record Let's, we, we have one. It's done. And, and and neither one of us knew it, which was a weird thing. I know. It I, really snuck up on us. Like, holy shit, we have a record. And they're all, I think all the songs are inspired. I think they're inspired in a, in a weird way that they kind of just had some space from expectation. And we're just really like being created out of, you know, a need and nothing more. And so I, I just, you know, the person that we're working with that's producing it is doing kind of like what Eric, it's not Eric Bachman, um, but he's kind of fulfilling that role right now, which is, you know, again, like we, I just feel like super lucky. Yeah. He's just doing, he's just picking, picking up the songs and taking them exactly where they need to be. So yeah, we're surprisingly really stoked about this new record and that's yeah, kind of what we're working on right now. This has been a, a pleasure, like an honor. Thank you. What were you going to say, Maria? I think just that. Yeah, I was ex- I'm always excited just to talk about our past and to reminisce. You know, we love doing this anyway. So <laughs> it's our pleasure. Standing in front of you